I'm going to read just a few verses from Matthew. And out of respect for the Word of God, let's stand. Matthew chapter number 2. The Bible says, And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes and the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written in the prophet, written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art thou not least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently at the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, Bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for... This day, we thank you, Lord, that you have made this day for us, and Father, for a day to worship and honor you, and and Father, to know more of your will, and Father, with the grace that is available, Father, to to not only uh, love you, to do your will, and and Father, that we would be all that we should be for ourselves, for others. I pray that you just bless our time in your Word and prayer. Uh, bless those that couldn't be here for various reasons, Father. Strengthen them that they'd be, be able to come back and be with those, Father, that uh, need to be here and, and are not. Uh, strengthen us, Father, to be the best example and encouragement to them. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. <clears throat> story that we often hear this time of year is and preached on, taught on, and... Uh, the fact that it's one that we is in the scriptures only really mentioned in the book of Matthew, I believe. And uh, but it is an important one, I think, because it has several aspects of it. It, it uh, talks about how that they followed this star. Uh, I believe they saw this star not only in the night but during the day. And um, uh, interestingly enough, no one else noticed it or, or, or recognized it as important. And uh, yet these were called wise men. And I think for that various reason that they understood that something uh, spectacular was happening and uh, exciting was happening. And yet, when you read down through here, you see not only they, <coughs> uh, they came to worship him and... Uh, and the Bible says that if a true worshiper worships the Lord in spirit and truth, and uh, so they had come to do the will of God and worship the King of Kings. But I noticed, I guess, the thing that brought, uh, when I read it, was that what came to my mind was not only was Herod uh, concerned about it, but it says all of Jerusalem with him. Uh, or all of, yeah, all of Jerusalem with him. You know, this is the... Um, a place that was called the uh, Salem, uh, meaning the place of peace, and yet they were troubled. I don't think it was a good troubling. It was a they were troubled in a wrong way, um, and I, I guess I want to take off of that as today is that uh, is the, is that actual preparation that we have as as believers for 
And we look forward to Christ's return. Alright? We should be looking forward to it. Uh, often said that he could come any time. It's not, we're not waiting on certain things to happen in the scriptures. Is is that he could return. The, the disciples even then looked for the Lord's return. In Thessalonians, they were uh, even warned at that time they thought the Lord was going to return. And uh, so it is something that that is uh, that is something that Christians do. Is they do look for that and should be looking for that. And I guess in a positive way and something that they're uh, you know and at any time you're ready to go be with the Lord. Uh, so take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Jude. Um, it's only really one, I guess you'd call it chapter, um, in Jude. It doesn't really have, it's not divided into chapters because there's just one. It's just listed as verses. And, uh, and, and it's an interesting, I think, book that really, um, how did... How did Jerusalem get into the situation it was in? How did it get to the place where they were troubled? And uh, that's something that I think is important for all of us. It's a question ourselves. Are we really ready for the Lord's return? If he would return today, would we say, yes, I'm comfortable with that idea. I'm excited about that idea. I'm looking forward to that idea. And uh, at the end of Jude, I want us to, as he uh, of course, this is a letter that is really a warning letter that uh, kind of gives us a, uh, I guess a, uh, what I want to say, kind of a uh, warning that, you know, not to fall into some kind of apostasy or sin. And as he ends this letter, he finishes it up by uh in verse number 19, we're going to kind of take this backwards because I want you to see basically uh, how to maintain the right relationship that I think the Lord would have us to have. In verse 19, it says, And these be they that separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit, nevertheless. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves. This is uh, this is the difference. It's a it's a requirement that to give us is that we building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, kind of that spirit filled, spirit controlled life. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now I think I I guess I I look back on that thing that we read, uh, scripture that we read in Matthew, that somehow they were troubled. I have to believe that there were many people in Jerusalem that I think were probably, at that point, what we would call Christians, but maybe not looking forward to Christ coming. In the same way, we may be Christians, but not looking forward to Christ's return. But he says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So there's that looking forward and that expectation. And you have to ask yourself, is there a looking forward and an expectation in our lives or in your life? In verse 22, and of some having compassion, making a difference, others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. I don't always think that that's necessarily referring to lost people. I think it can, and probably is to, to a great degree, but it can also refer to us. Even it says here, pulling them out of the fire. Is it possible that God is working to maintain a right relationship in this church by providing us a means that we've been listening on how that we can have a peace and a rest, how that we can know the scriptures and have a confidence that we're walking with our Lord. Look at what it says. Not only saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh, now unto him that is able to keep you 
from falling. It's the idea there that God is going to maintain our Christian life. It's not impossible to do the right thing one day, two days, but it gets more difficult when we think of a week or two weeks or a month. And if you've been saved any time, it could be years to keep you from falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of His, of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forever. The idea I guess I want to play off today is that determination to stay in love with God. To stay in love with God. I mean, you think the devil would want you to be distracted from your walk with God. I mean, you think he wants you to take a little side track in your love for God. In verse number... So we'll read down through and we'll look through some of the things that he mentions here. The very first thing he mentions, if you'll follow through, it says in verse 1, he says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, lead them that are sanctified by the God the Father and preserved unto Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you this common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you be earnestly contend for the faith which once delivered unto the saints. I think contending for the faith is not only contending for the well-being of others, but really contending for yourself. You think about staying in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, you think of Jude here, and often said that Jude actually was the brother of James because James was the brother of the Lord himself. You say, well, why didn't he mention that if that be true, that he was actually um, came out of the same family with Mary and Joseph? I think humility. One of the hardest things, I think, to stay in love with the Lord is the fact that we have a certain amount of pride. It seems like in all my life, it seems like I never really get a complete victory over pride. And yet I know it. I've preached on it and I've taught on it myself. His humility is a very powerful thing. When you are humbled by God and God is working in your life in, a, in, a, in amazing ways, it does humbling things to you. You're humbled. The Bible says that we're to be humbled under the mighty hand of God that He may lift you up. And so we have Jude here writing this letter, a very, I believe, a very humble man. Even though he was the Lord's brother, we know that at the beginning... His brothers and his family basically rejected his to be the son of God. Somewhere along the line, God changed his mind. Sometimes we have to look back on our own life and look at how that many ways that we have done the same thing. In some ways, in some way or form, we have turned our back on the Lord in the right way it's not really wrong to remember that if it keeps us humble it's a good thing if it keeps us looking to the Lord it's a good thing verse number 4 he says that we're in contending for the faith there's a lot of ways that we can do that he says that certain men crept in unawares who were before ordained, old ordained in this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I often wonder what it really means to deny the Lord and as a Christian. 
We can understand, we can see it outside our circle and see people that we've witnessed to or individuals in different denominations or, or beliefs and how they deny Christ as is written in the Word. How does a Christian do that? How do you do it? How do I do it? Most of us have a spouse. How many of you think it takes the grace of God to be a husband or to be a wife? It takes the grace of God, doesn't it? And if you'll notice it, that the, the issue here is that their flesh, as I mentioned down the very first thing I, I read in the, in the scriptures here, is that, uh, that they, uh, it says in verse. He says, they separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. They walk after their ungodly lusts. To be a good husband, I think, to be a good wife, it really, really, really does require us to live by faith. Because, you know, a lot of times when you're with the one that knows you the best, right, you really behave yourself like you really are. There isn't that special grace that you have with people outside your home. That person that is close to you that you love, that's the one that you really let down your hair with, right? That's the one that you are really going to speak as, as you really are. But why shouldn't there be the grace of God for them? Does it take grace? If we're going to contend for the faith, then we've got to say, listen, I've got to behave myself the same way I would with those ones that's most familiar with me as ones that are not as familiar. So you have to be a godly spouse. Otherwise, we are in the same... We're not contending for the faith and we're not allowing the Lord to work for us, through us and basically denying Christ. Right? If we allow ourselves to behave ourselves the way we feel like we want to behave, then we are fulfilling the lust of the flesh. We can't afford to do that. It also requires us to be a godly father and a godly mother. Same thing can happen there. Your children can know you and know how you are and, and we can behave ourselves not in the way God intended us to be with our children, but the way our flesh wants to act out. How many know what I'm talking about? We're not really listening to God. God, what is your will? What are, how should I handle this? We're not praying and, and uh, pursuing God's mind, God's heart. We're going on what we are comfortable with. If we're going to contend for the faith, we have to be a godly spouse. We need to trust God to be the godly father and mother. And it can also go the other way. We expect our parents... To accept us just as we are. Accept our failings and our, and our, uh, and our uh, inconsistencies as a son or a daughter. But in, really, if we're going to contend for the faith, then as a son, we should be a godly what? son. Or we should be a godly daughter. We say, God, how is it that I'm supposed to be with my mom? And how am I supposed to be with my dad? How is that? Uh, how would you have me to behave myself? Because I'm going to contend for the faith. It's very easy for me to just to be myself in front of my mom or my dad. But really, I need to be what God wants me to be. Though they may accept me as I am and, and be willing to overlook my faults, listen, I, I have to contend for the faith. What you're doing when you're contending for the faith, you're identifying and using the grace of God that is available. You say, why is that important? Because we are looking for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're expecting His coming. 
And if he would show up at any given day, he would say, yes, you are living by faith. Yes, I can see it in your relationship with your wife. Yes, I can see it in your relationship with your children. Yes, I can see it, son or daughter, in your relationship with mom and dad. Yes. Because we've been contending. And we've been identifying ways that the grace of God is available. Why were they troubled in Jerusalem? We understand why Herod was. It's fairly understandable why Herod wasn't comfortable. Herod was enough. He wanted to kill the Christ child, but really, he was lost. We knew he was lost. But what about you and me? Thirdly, if we're going to be those that contend for the faith and, and use the grace that's available, then we're going to actively participate and support. And this is a big one. This dovetails with what we've been teaching and what we've been learning in our learning our verses. It says, By your love for one another shall all men know what? That you're my disciples. Does it take the grace of God to be what we need to be for one another? Doesn't it? Doesn't there there a part of us that wants to respond and act in the flesh and and be kind of selfish and and, uh, self-centered? So actively participating and supporting brothers and sisters, and yes, even me. Does your pastor need your support? Does he? Does he need to be encouraged? Does he run across challenges and difficulties that maybe find himself hard to live by faith? Weary and well-doing? When you think of contending, that means we have to push back. We have to say, this is what God's mind is. This is what God's will is. Whether it's my spouse, whether it's my mom and dad, whether it's my son or daughter, whether it's my brothers and sisters in the Lord, whether it's my pastor, I need to contend for the faith. What is God's mind? What is God's heart? What is God's spirit? I think when we actively contend for the faith, We also have to remember, if you see in verse 5, Jude says to us, I will. He says, this is what God has put in my heart. He says, I will therefore, knowing this, put you in remembrance, though you once knew this. So it's something that has taken a back seat to your thinking and to your to your uh, memory. Though you once knew this, <clears throat> how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. We always we think about the love of God, and I love to preach and teach on the love of God and, and how the love of God just is, is, uh, is a huge motivator in a Christian's life. I want to continue to please God for what He's done for me and I want to continue to please God because He's been so good to me and He provides for me every day uh, my job, my health, my home, my uh, my church. Uh, he provides for me all these things. I, I really do thank Him for that. But He says here in Jude that He will, I will, that therefore... Uh, put you in remembrance, though you once knew how that the Lord, having saved His people out of the land of Egypt, afterward did what? He destroyed those that believe not. Now, the interesting thing, I don't know whether you've seen this in the Scriptures or not. Do you ever see sometimes where you say, well, I wonder if there were, all, if there were some people in there saved or were they, were they all lost? Uh, lost people wouldn't be treated the same way as saved people. You know, there's when you look at that in the scriptures, you know what? That kind of becomes a gray area. You can't really define it. 
You can't say, I don't know if they were saved. I don't know if they were lost. It just seems to kind of co-mingle the, the two things together. You know, I think that's by design of God. But remember, you think of Ananias and Sapphira, were they lost or saved? I think with all my heart they were saved. It's clear they were saved, but what was the judgment against them? What was the judgment? Death. A sin unto death. I don't know exactly what it's, what it's referring to here, but I know that they weren't doing the right thing whether they were lost or whether they were saved. They weren't doing the right thing. They fell from what? Faith. And they didn't continue to maintain that uh, where they needed to be, whether it's an Ananias or Sapphira or Saul. Whatever it is, they fell from faith. We like to think, when we read Jude, we think, well, that's, that's always referring to the other people. That's the, that, how many, you know, we do that to ourselves. That's never referring to me. That's never referring to us. Is it or is it not? Who's, who's Jude writing this to? Is he writing it to lost people or is he writing it to saved people? Is he writing it to the church or is he writing it to the, the, the unchurched? Remember, <coughs> those that fell from faith. It reaches a point when that we need to recognize that maybe God's going to instill in our hearts some fear. We're motivated by love, right? I mean, that's what really brings us to our knees and, uh, uh, and helps us to understand that God loves us and died for us and paid the sin. But listen, there's also the other side of that judgment. God says, listen, I've warned enough. I've talked enough. First thing it says there that it says it destroyed them that believe not. To take your Bible and turn to Hebrews once with me. Hebrews chapter number 3. Gives us, I think, another commentary. Verse number 15. And says, while it is said today, if you will fear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom he swore in his in, whom he swore he that should not enter into rest, but to them that believed not, so that they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. It means there were a lot of people that came out of Egypt and a lot of people moved because of uh, all the things that Moses was able to do and the, and the plagues and things that motivated them out of... But the, listen, they didn't really all come out of Egypt. Maybe they physically came out of Egypt or maybe they didn't spiritually come out of Egypt. I mean, struggle with that yourself. Yeah, I, I, got, I got saved out of my sin. I got saved, out, but I haven't really come out of Egypt. It's a hard thing sometimes. That's why it's so important that you want your children to be saved at an early age, because if they get fully in, in, indoctrinated with what is in Egypt, it may plague them the rest of their life. Look down in Hebrews chapter number 8. You were here just not too long ago. Hebrews chapter number 8. 
verse number 7. He says, For if the first covenant, remember he taught on this, For if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant. And I regarded them not, saith the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me what? A people. So if we're thinking that we don't want to fall from this place of faith that God has given us, that we want to contend for the faith that God says we can contend for. We don't want to fall into the judgment and be destroyed because of unbelief, one way or another. And we have an amazing thing called the Word. How I many of you realize that this is really, to have the written Word in our home, is a really a, a, a supernatural phenomenon. This was not always in, in our world. God has made it available for everyone. We have uh, Brother O has been in challenging us and doing everything that he can possibly do to, to see how important it is to memorize Scripture. We have this, what's that thing called? Flip? Flashcard machine. You can actually... Use that to help you with that as a tool. But the idea being there is that he says, I will write them in their hearts. You say you want to contend for the faith, you don't want to fall in. The idea there's an amazing grace attained by his word. Faith cometh by hearing and what? Hearing by the word of God. If you feel weak and you feel challenged and you feel tempted, the idea being there, listen, we have a grace that is available through the Word. God will write it in our hearts. We'd be like that tree planted by the rivers of water to bring it forth. And it's basically, I'm going to mess it up, but it's, it's, it's leaves never wither. Like an evergreen Christian doesn't go through seasons of dying and life and dying in life. Hebrews chapter number 11. Verse number 24. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 24. The Bible says, By faith, when Moses was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the with the people of, I'm sorry, suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteem the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he had respect and the recompense of reward by faith and forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, endured as seeing him who is, what? Invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. But it took what? took faith, didn't it? We have to contend for the faith. Our flesh doesn't really want to live by faith. Our carnal mind and carnal hearts don't want to live by faith. He said, you listen, the same God that judged the heathen that wouldn't respond to, to, the, 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 to comply to putting the blood upon the doorpost and the lentil, he says, I don't want that same angel to touch us. They fell from faith. Never had faith. Verse 29, by faith... They passed through the Red Sea as to the dry land, which the Egyptians essayed to do were drowned. Because why? They did it by faith. 
By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down as they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them, believed not, that believed not, <clears throat> when she had received the spies in peace. He gives that little period of time from the time they left Egypt until the time that Jericho fell. And the amazing grace is really to all. It wasn't just for Moses. It was for all the people. Even to Rahab the harlot. So no matter how tainted you may think you are, and no matter how may, much you may have feel, felt, feel that you felt failed God, it's still available. And Jude is saying to you and to me, he says, listen, remember those who fell from faith. It didn't have to be that way. And in Jerusalem, it didn't have to be the only ones that saw the star. Was the wise man? Didn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to Peter, just a few pages over. The right Peter here. Hang on just a minute. First Peter, second Peter. Second Peter, chapter one. Verse 15. This is moreover I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in your remembrance. This is the reference, by the way, that I would use if you want to talk about the scriptures being inspired. This is the one I would use. I know a lot of people refer to the other one. This is the one I think is really referring to the Word of God. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and were eyewitnesses of his majesty. It's talking about the Mount of Transfiguration. Verse 17. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, and there came such a voice of excellency and glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This voice which came to heaven we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. That was a present experience that they had. Amazing one, to say the least. They heard a voice come from heaven. They were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He was transfigured, if you remember. He was with uh, Elijah and Moses. Verse 19, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Wherein do you do well that you take heed unto a light? Remember Jesus said, I come as a light into the world. As a light that shineth in a dark place until what? The day dawn and the what? The day star arise where? I don't know if I'm fair to make an assumption here. I'm a little careful. But I believe when the wise men followed that star in the east, it was a day star. Day and night they could follow that star. You and I, when you think about what it's saying, it says we have a more sure word of prophecy. That you do well, that you take heed to it as a light that shineth in a dark place. Is our heart desperately wicked? Who can know it? 
Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures, any private interpretation, that means the Holy Spirit of God guides you into the right understanding. And it becomes inspired for you. For the prophecy came not in old time of the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were uh, moved or inspired by the Holy Spirit. Again, do you want to fall from faith? Do I want to fall from faith? Do we want to uh, not uh, make it to the end of the time in which God intended for us to make it? It's an amazing grace that God gives us not only to have His Word, but an amazing grace to maintain His Word and live out His Word. Secondly, not only were they destroyed, but if you look in verse 6 of Hebrews, I'm not sorry, I said Hebrews, Jude, Jude verse 6, The angels which kept not their first estate. Second example he gives us here. Well, what was their first estate? What was it? They were with God, right? They were in the presence of God. They seen the multitude of who God was and all of his glory. You say, huh, you ever think about that? How did they get to the place that they left their first estate? Who influenced them? Who affected them? So God intends for you not to be and me not to be affected by anybody else but Him. That's the bottom line. Yeah, he said he could have said to Rob, Satan, you're not going to go in. You're not going to tempt them. You're not going to affect them. You're not going to challenge them. You're, you're not going to uh, uh, turn them away from me. He didn't allow that, did he? The same thing is here. Was Jesus tempted? Could God have kept Satan from tempting his only begotten son? Could it? But did it? No. But what did Jesus do to maintain his faith? He knew the word, didn't he? And even when the Satan and the devil himself tried to challenge him with Scripture, did he maintain his faithful course? Now ask yourself, can we, as believers, Maintain a faithful course. Staying in the love of God. Listen, let that ring in your ears. Jerusalem did not stay in the love of God. Is it possible that you and I can miss the mark and not stay in the love of God and be just as unfaithful as the angels that fell? Instead of having great favor, have great shame. So how do we prevent that? I'm going to give you two points. I don't want to be judged unfaithful. And I don't want to be judged instead of having great favor, great shame. One, never rest on your laurels. Never, never look back on what you have been. Sometimes we do that. We look back on what we have been. God is not concerned us to look back on what we have been. That would only be pride, right? Pride never, never, never does anything for us. Remember how Satan tempted Eve. Says you can be like God. 
You know as much as God. That you'll be able to turn good from evil. You'll, you'll be wise as God. They lived in a utopic place called the Garden of Eden. A place there was no sin there. Wasn't, he, wasn't all the temptations out there that we have to deal with today. And yet they did not remain what? Faithful. So never rest on your laurels of who you are or what you've been. Secondly, we as Baptists believe, and I think we do, once saved, always saved, right? And we don't think we can lose our salvation. Everybody understand that? One of the great doctrines of our faith is the finished work of Christ that done it all. But sometimes that can make us reckless with sin. It can make us reckless. That means we, we allow things in, in our lives or allow things that, to tempt us where we can't be reckless with sin. If, and even if we have this idea once saved, always saved, and it is a, is a pure doctrine is recognize what sin can do and will do. All right, we're going to wind this up. Verse 7. The third example here that Jude gives us. He says, remember those that fell from faith. He gave the example of the Israelites that were destroyed, that came out of Egypt but really didn't come out. He gave us the example of the angels that were of great glory and great favor and ended up in great shame. In verse number 7 it says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and cities about them like men are giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example of suffering and the vengeance of eternal fire. Remember what I said earlier, we, we don't know, those were lost people. Those people didn't know Christ. Those people were rejectors. That doesn't include me. Or does it? He says, giving themselves over to what? Fornication. In other words, they were addicted to the flesh. Addicted to the flesh. What dominated what ruled? The Spirit of God, the Word of God, the truth of God, or the what? The flesh. We have to ask ourselves the question, am I addicted? Could I be addicted? Is there some portion of me I just can't say no? Second thing is, you could ask yourself, the majority or the consensus seems to be allowing this to happen. It's amazing to me is that I grew up in a time when that you, if you didn't marry the person, you just didn't live with somebody. I don't remember that time. You just met, that was just unheard of. You just didn't do that. I have people now, I know, that consider it that are older than I am, that grew up in that same generation, now consider it okay. Now justify it. What changed between then and now? What changed? It's sociably acceptable now. The consensus or the majority says it's okay. It seems less guilty. Because why? Well, not only is Sodom doing it, no more, but the cities are like around about them are doing it. Listen, when we think about being aware of the, of the societies and, the, and, the, and really it's a damning spiral that we're on, we become very, very comfortable with things that 
Well, we're not like them, but we're very close. Be addicted to the flesh. You could be affected by the majority consensus. Verse number 8. Likewise, these also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominions, and evil speak of dignitary dignities. Understanding that this Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities round about, <coughs> they'd overrided their conscience. One of the best gifts we have as, 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 as whether a believer or non-believer is we have a gift of a conscience. Let me know what I'm talking about. If you've got a gift of a conscience, your conscience is like a gyro. How do they say that? Gyroscope? Not gyroscope? No. Gyroscope, I think, is what they call it. But it maintains the balance. Keeps you on course. <laughs> that idea that God gives us a God-given conscience. And if you're a Christian, it's even better yet because it's, it's, it's adorned with the Word of God. Even lost people have a conscience but listen, they don't have the Word of God adorning it. Listen, the idea there of it being is that we can get caught up in that spiral down and we, and we, don't, we want to thank God. We'll get up every morning and thank God that our conscience, by the work of the Holy Spirit, goes in there with a candle and lights and takes a look and says, here, there, looky here, over here. No, that's not right. You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have looked at that. You shouldn't have done this. Isn't it good to have a conscience? But remember what can happen to a conscience. Remember what it says, you can sear a conscience. Don't take, don't recognize that, listen, a continuation in any kind of a damning sin will sear that conscience. It says they despise dominions. Speaking evil of dignities. You know that <clears throat> we all have authority in our life. A young person has mom and dad. In the church, we have one another. Of course, need your pastor as well. Just not a dictatorship, is it? God's over us, right? Notice here that it says they, they're comfortable with speaking against those in authority. They get comfortable. Let me, let me, let me help you out here just a little bit. <clears throat> you know, if it's never right to speak on those of authority, how often does it happen when we go home and we're with our family? With our spouse, we speak against authority. We think we can do it there. Am I right? We think we have a legitimate right uh, because we're one flesh and, and I, I really got this never right. Remember the micro that says here in verse 9, the archangel, when contending with the devil, disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him rolling accusations. Was it true? true. But remember, <laughs> the idea being there is that we have to have under God's control. How many know people just want to complain? Just want to pick out, just pick the bugs off. No, we're like a bunch of chimpanzees, you know. We stand around and we pick the bugs off somebody else. Of course, the chimps eat them, I think. idea being there that to verbalize our opinion not for any productive reason just because you can the 
Last but not least, you wonder how Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around got to where they were at. Look at verse 9. I mentioned Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, disputing about the body of Moses, just not bringing against him railing accusations. But he said, The Lord, what? Rebuked thee. How many have ever been offended by someone? I really got a problem with that person. And all of a sudden, it begins to affect that relationship with that individual because you have internalized their issue. See, our responsibility is when we have brothers and sisters in the Lord, we have a church family, is that we are to pray for one another, yes? We're not, we're not internalizing their issues or their problems or whatever they have. We're to pray for them and encourage them whatever way we possibly can. We're not to be offended by them. How many think it takes the grace of God to do that? Amazing grace! Because, you know, people do things and they will continue to do things. Sodom and Gomorrah, can you imagine what it was like to be in that society? All they did, they picked on one another and they chewed on one another. Biting and devouring, as James talks about, can we do that in a church? Can we destroy one another? Can we destroy our church? But there's an amazing grace that says, in spite of us all being sinners, in spite of us all failing God to one degree or another, in spite of all that, God says, listen... I'm going to give you the grace of God to get past those things, over those things, through those things, around those things, and at the end, you're going to be successful. And you're going to stay in love with God. I don't know about you. I'm all done. I don't know about you, but I know myself. I've been saved since I was 32 years old. And this year I'll be 63. So you do the math. And I've looked around and I've seen other people that have fallen from the faith. How many have seen those people? They've fallen away. It discourages you, doesn't it? Well, just think how discouraging it is to them. They went from an exciting relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and they didn't take heed to some things that were happening in their life and and, and around them and somehow all that happened in such a way that took them out of their relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have to believe as I'm standing here this morning I have to believe that in Jerusalem there were those that knew Christ and were looking forward to His coming. But somehow, when the Lord actually came, guess what? They were troubled. If the Lord would appear today in your presence, in the presence of this church, I'm asking you, would you be troubled? Would you be excited or would you be troubled? Would you be ready to say, Hallelujah, praise God, I'm excited, I guess we're going home today. Or would you uh, be troubled? I'm saying to you, let's, let's covenant. Let's covenant as individuals, let's covenant as a church. What Brother O is doing on Wednesday night, what we're learning about the peace and rest that comes from knowing the Word, memorizing the Word, praying, uh, applying the Word. Let's endeavor today that we're going to stay as individuals and as a body of believers in the love of God. you think God would honor a commitment like that?
think God would say, man, they, they, they're, they're, they're determined that they're not going to let whatever old thing else is going on in this other world where people are falling away. We believe God can maintain and will maintain a love for Him through it all. And not only I think that that's what God wants, and that's what the world needs to see. It's either that or what? What's the choice? Of falling away. It can happen. It can happen to you. It can happen to me. Let's ask ourselves, let's stay in love with God today. I'm going to contend for the faith. I'm going to use the, the graces that God has made available, and I'm going to practice that whoever I'm with and where I'm at. Let's stand as we close. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we, we just thank you that, Lord, you intend to be our Savior our entire life. Saving us, Father, from the examples that we've seen in the Scriptures, whether it be the people that were in Egypt that didn't come out, uh, Father, whether it be the uh, individuals mentioned last, Father, the Sodom and Gomorrah, um, Lord, of the angels that left their first estate, Father, your intention is that it doesn't have to be Shame. It doesn't have to be failure. It doesn't have to be that we fall away. Father, we can look as excitingly for your return 